the eternal silence, the eternal silence of this infinite space scares me. I think it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful placeholder for silence, so the eternal primordial silence, which we are exploring here. And yes, it scares us. And this is actually an indication that we are listening in the right direction, that we get scared. Well, not we, yeah. Of course, who we really are is that silence. So that silence does not, it's not what gets scared. So what gets scared is the narcissistic process, yeah? the, the loop. The, the loop of what about me, what about me, what about me, what about me. The self-grasping, that is what, what gets scared, uh, what's, what is scared, and is obviously scared, scared because the relaxation would mean the end of, um, of that process. So when you have a sense of shrinking in this experience, of shrinking or like holding back, or there could be a sense, wow, if I go one step further, I will explode, or I will get crazy or mad. or yeah. So th that's not a sign that something is wrong. It's actually a sign that you're, you're getting it. Yeah. That's why it's so important for uh, for people on the path of awakening to to make friends with that with fear in general with anxiety in general uh, because we will need that and uh, lama sopa says that it sadly happens often that people then contract again and and not looking anymore yeah not so and then we need to get. Then we need to have this encouragement that um, that this is part of the process, and that it, it is actually a sign of success, or it is a sign that you that something is happening, and that something in you is getting it. It is actually the same kind of fear which will arise in the death process. Because in the death process, uh, the, the non-dual experience is forced upon you. You can't stop it. Everything which you think you are dissolves level by level. And you are left with the eternal silence. And if we are not familiar with the eternal silence, we get scared, and then there's a contraction. And according to the teachings on the death process in the Tibetan tradition, it is then that contraction and that grasping which comes comes with that contraction, which leads into the next rebirth. So we prefer the claustrophobic collapse into uh, material form, uh, we prefer that instead of complete awakening. So let's uh, take 10 minutes or so to, uh, 
is it quietly more or less so in this practice we we are not trying to force our body into stillness so it's more uh, kind of just settling uh, whatever your position is and shifting gear and we can follow Ken McLeod's instruction to lightly arrest our awareness on the breath or in the sensation of our hands or in the movement of the belly effortless giving yourself the permission to do nothing to waste time to be unproductive and you shift from doing into being present moment awareness And then we can use the other instruction of Ken McLeod. The content, sensations, sounds, they are like spring blossoms in the wind swirling, walking under a blue spring sky. and not engaging them, neither clinging nor suppressing, no picking, no choosing. says you are become aware of the eternal silence which reveals itself the vastness where we meet from heart to heart where we merge with shared consciousness. 
surrendering into eternal silence, which is essence love, ultimate bodhicitta. It's nothing and everything. nothing and everything. And the everything is nothing and the nothing is everything. If you get entangled, that's not a big deal. It's also silence. But it makes sense then to shift back into present moment awareness or to an anchor and then rest. Not knowing anything. not understanding anything, not doing anything.
rely on silence. silence. And then when the slide into the next moment, maybe open your eyes. And maybe change your position. another question about strong emotions hitchhiked by strong emotions losing awareness yeah so then we move into <clears throat> provisional practices which for many of us is the main focus And of course, one can say a lot about that, and it's part, a big part of my teachings. And it's also a big part of your own exploration. Uh, so how to handle difficult emotions. Maybe I can just give a few uh, hints. I think one thing is to learn emotional release methods. So not trying to work with sitting meditation there because uh, that's sometimes not manageable. But instead of using 
breathing, movement, dancing, walking, running, uh, not in the sense of dancing away or running away, but dancing with and running with uh, the emotional hitchhike. Yeah. And then noticing how it changes, like using and use learning energetic release methods, shouting, and so on. Yeah. Dynamic meditation, Osho-like, five rhythms of Gabriel Roth, uh, screaming, yeah, Genov. Uh, uh, primordial screen therapy, uh, stuff like that. Touch, uh, talking with someone, sharing, yeah. uh, expressing what you feel. So that's uh, so that's one thing. Like not kind of trying to sit. So, so what often people do then, they get some meditation instruction, for example, if this is happening in a silent retreat. But instead of sitting with the emotional hitchhiking, we sit on, on it. Yeah? And we try to kind of, it's more a suppressing rather than a releasing. Yeah? And movement is a beautiful way to, uh, to release this energetic, uh, emotional energy. Then it's hel it helps to have a tantric view on, on difficult emotions so that they are energy and that they are, that, that they are not uh, enemies and that our feelings are not dangerous. Uh, but there's a wisdom aspect in all feelings, also in anger and in desire. Yeah. So just cognitive reframing uh, the relationship to your inner world. Yeah? Getting rid of this idea that they, that they are enemies and, you know, and that, they, that it is dangerous to feel our feelings. And we are perfectly equipped to feel all human feelings. Yeah? They are not dangerous. The problem is how we, how we relate to them and that we are living in an emotion-phobic culture, particularly in the north of Europe. So then uh, there's methods like the RAIN model. You know, I, 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 I'm teaching that sometimes. Method like Tom Len, or from the Tibetan tradition, And then when we get hitchhiked by our emotions, so when they become overwhelming, that is usually a sign that they connect with your psychological history. So they are connected with trauma. So you're experiencing them as the little girl, as the little boy. So if in meditation you experience often that uh, you know you can't you can't be spacious with your emotions then i would su suggest a body oriented psychotherapy 
And it's very likely that you can't find your way out of this, not out of this, into this, actually. You can't find your, your way into this uh, by meditation. I think that's... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not... 100% sure, but pretty sure, based on my own experience, but also uh, when I work with people, that uh, if there is um, unlived life in you, which was necessary because the little boy, the little girl couldn't handle it in a different way. So it's not, a, it's not, it's, it's like homage to that little boy, to that little girl, that she survived and managed. But that unlived life, that unfelt feeling uh, is there and uh, you regress into back then and your system doesn't realize that you are grown up and that you can actually feel your anger uh, and that mama and papa are not there anymore with telling you that they don't love you anymore when you're angry. Yeah? But in the moment of sadness or anger or despair, we feel like that. We feel like, like that lost little boy, that lost little girl, and we forget what well, our system, our internal family system, forgets in that moment that we are grown up. So I, I never would encourage someone who experience something like this to do one silent vipassana retreat after another because you're not getting further with this. You need to combine it with some psychological work. And this is not just my opinion. Yeah? So that's the opinion of many Western Buddhist teachers who have some respect and some interest in Western uh, psychological work and, and, and Western wisdom. Okay, are there any other questions? Yes, uh, yeah. Stefan, there's another question. Yeah. Um, the question says, can silence be related to a sense of solitude, a kind of isolation? Yeah. I felt during the first uh, meditation, um, first mm -hmm. it gave me peace. Oh, sorry, another question has gone. Mm -hmm. uh, first it gave me peace, but then it turned into fear, the fear of not being able to connect yeah. with my emotions yes. with myself and with others yeah this is a good question uh, because first i already mentioned the fear of the uh, of the eternal silence yeah so that's something we have to be uh, aware and we know we start to know about it and we we make friend with that anxiety breathe into it and so on, work with it. But the other thing is, many people have experienced in their psychological history, particularly in their childhood, that silence means something is wrong. When father doesn't talk, it's not because he's happy and satisfied, because something is wrong, but he can't express it. So for the child, that kind of silence becomes very threatening because you can't fool the child. The child feels that something is wrong and that father is inauthentic. 
and the child feels it's my fault. I did something wrong. That's why father is silent. No, it's this fucked up silence at the dinner table. And then when we go into retreat, no, a silent retreat, and this is a very common experience that you know, some people, when they go into silent retreat, they feel more and more connected with the people through the silence. They fall in love with the participants in that silence. For some people, it's really difficult. They, they start to feel isolated. They start to feel alone. They start to disconnect. Yeah. So it's very good to, to be aware of that and, and to start to appreciate different qualities in silence. Silence has many different flavors. And so I'm not so much of, I mean, I'm also offering silent retreat, uh, but um, I'm not uh, so much into you know, silence as a practice because often that, because many of us have this experience of screwed up silence that that it doesn't nurture connectedness, which it also can. Yeah. So if you have experiences like that, then you know, become aware of your history. This kind of isolation I feel, where do I know that from? Is it maybe something I have experienced with friends, you know, or with, with my parents, uh, that kind of threatening silence, that suppressed silence? where people don't talk because, uh, because they can't and they suppress the feelings. And you can't fool a child. A, a child feels how you feel. And if you pretend that everything is fine and you don't express yourself, you create big problem for that child because that child gets two messages. That what father says, and that how he feels, and what he does. And that's very difficult to handle for a four-year-old. And we are still tortured by that. Now, we all know this kind of beautiful place when we can be silent with someone because it's a rich silence, it's a connected silence, it's a hard silence. And then we all know this awkward silence where it's actually time to talk and connect, but we can't because you know, we, we not even know ourselves how we feel. And then a few words while a small dialogue can really break this shell, you know, and that's sometimes when I talk with people in retreat who come to that place, like one conversation of just describing how you feel can really break that cocoon of isolation. And suddenly the silence becomes a, gets, becomes a very different quality. So for some people, it's not advisable to go into a, a noble silence retreat for, for sometimes. 
because you just go you go you don't you don't go into the opening and healing aspect of silence you go more and more into the into the isolated silence Yeah, there was something else, Daniel, I think, or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so from the perspective you're teaching from today, how do we explain the sense that we are doing something good when we are putting effort into fighting poverty, obesity, discrimination, or Alzheimer's, for example? Uh, why does such reduction of suffering seem good or meaningful if good and bad emotions don't matter and if samsara is unfixable? Should we then, in the best of all worlds, focus on spiritual practices mm. as soon as people have their basic needs met, mm. uh, if we aim to make the world a better place? Mm. Mm. So the silence, the silence is a very creative place. And in the silence is goodness and creativity. But it, it is not, a, and it is a more profound than doing good things. It's just the natural thing which comes. It's not like, oh, I'm doing good things. I need to save the world. It's, it, it's just like feeding your own mouth and taking care of your foot. It's not worth mentioning. You are not fighting a good case or something. You just do out of that silence. You do what is what is appropriate, what is in accordance with the evolutionary goodness in this universe. And it's not doing good work, and it's beyond good and bad. It's just doing the right thing. But it doesn't come from a rational agenda and projects and knowing what is right and what is bad. It's just naturally, spontaneously radiating essence love. And that essence love with what which wants to emerge from you has no agenda. It just knows in every moment what to do and what to eat and what to consume and what to say to a person and where to engage yourself. And it's completely effortless. So it's not like you burn out by saving the world or putting too many projects onto your table because you want to be a goody-goody girl. And you want to fight on the right side. That's that, that's going to burn us out. Yeah. So the silence here is not like no. This 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 silence can be very active. It can be firm. It can be aggressive. It can kick asses when when that is necessary. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the last question that's in the chat right now. Um, this practice is uh, subtle. I feel there is a risk for me to fall into illusion of practicing while the mind might just wander. Are there any signs to distinguish between actual practice and pretending to practice in relation to this practice of relying on silence? Also a very good question an open-ended question, like the other one is also, I mean, the, the other one is about the union of wisdom and, and emptiness, uh, uh, wisdom and compassion, emptiness and 
and compassion. And that is also an open-ended question. It's not a question you can answer on the rational level. You can only live into the answer. You, you, you become the answer. You don't give the answer. You become the answer. Um, now I forgot the question. <laughs> uh. So I feel there is risk for me to fall yeah, into okay. it. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's really a trap. And it's good to know about that trap. So that is about the, the seduction of dullness. Yeah, the seduction of mm, spacing out. So it's uh, it feels good. No, it, it feels good. And that's actually what many people think meditation is. It's like the good feel meditation with music in the background and some nice smells and wow, it feels so good. And yeah, uh, and that is actually being sold uh, as meditation. I mean, a lot of, you know, if you listen to a lot of the guided meditation on, on Insight Timer, for example, they are all good feel meditations, leading you into a dull state. In a and, and, and it's very seductive. And, and it can be, it can feel as if you're getting somewhere. Yeah? So, so there it is good to, uh, you know, to study a bit the, you know, the traditional shamatha practice teachings who, who point to this. And you and you become aware of it. Not that you become afraid of it, and you do, you don't do it anymore. Of course, yeah. Light some candles and go to the bath, and you know, and listen to some birds birds music or something like that. Uh, that's wonderful, and we probably all need to do that more. But I wouldn't call it meditation. Um, And it's you know, the, 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 it's a sliding scale, of course. Yeah? So it's not like this, and then there's resting in silence. Yeah? So it's a sliding scale. And it's a, It's nothing. It's not something you know. Someone can kind of like explain to you. Okay, this is the right thing, and that is dullness. Yeah. So, it, it, um, one thing is that uh, with uh, more meditation experience. You, you get to know the difference. So one, one, uh, one simple uh, practice instruction would be in the moment where, you, where this question maybe arises in the session, or am I spacing out now? Am I just distracted? Am I fooling myself? one could ask the question, what is aware? 
what is aware of this question and what is aware of that dullness and what is aware of uh, of so that which is aware of the dullness, that which is aware of the destruction is not dull, is not distracted. So, so that, that would be a simple way to kind of step back out. And even if it's only for, for a moment, for a split of a second. So shifting from the kind of, is this it, uh, dullness, kind of feeling good, almost falling asleep, shifting out of that into the space which is aware. Step making the backward step. Then, long term, you start to notice that that you are more content. You are more whole, you, you are more fulfilled now than two years ago. You take things more easy, and in the same time, there is more creativity, more, you do, you, you, you accomplish more by doing less. And there's more and more trust that where you are and what you do is the perfect place, is, is the perfect practice. So you notice that the seeking relaxes. And present moment awareness arises more and more. You start to, you start to navigate more from your heart, from your guts, and not from your agenda. You, you become more open to the flow of the world and what calls you, instead of making agenda and plans and working towards something. You're being called to what you do. And with that, a quiet confidence arises in you. A, a quiet confidence. That does not mean that you make more money. You know, some people have this idea, oh, if I follow my heart, I just need to follow my heart and then I will make more money and, and my work will be successful and I can make these amazing projects. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah? So uh, a failing uh, is, not, uh, is not recognized as a failing in that sense or living a quiet life, you know, only caring about your children and your dog and, you know, having a simple job and, you know, uh, but, uh, so, but that, that quiet confidence then gives you the, the, knowledge, the knowing that you are in the right place and that you can't be anywhere, anywhere else. You, can't, you, you, you don't need to be in another job. You don't need to be in another relationship. You don't need to have another profession or live in another town. It's completely perfect where you are because you can't be somewhere else and you can't be someone else. 
and you, you're doing your job perfectly, just as it is, exactly as it is. So then, if that question arises, am I doing the right thing? Uh, do I fool myself? You give a shit, because that's just something which comes and goes. And yeah, so who cares? That which is aware of that is always there. It's okay. It's okay to feel that, uh, that, that you lost awareness because you have understood and you feel it's impossible to lose awareness. And you don't need to do anything to get back to that place because you can't walk to your own feet. So the feeling of, am I doing it right or wrong, or probably I'm just falling asleep, doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. It's nothing. That, that, that itself, that experience, that question, is it? Because there is one. So one, the one is wondering, am I the one? <laughs> but the wondering is the one itself. Relax. R rationally, you know, in the rational mind, of course, it's, it makes sense to ask this question and to ponder and to you know, go to this question with di to different books or different teachers, but you're not going to find any list of symptoms or uh, you know, like a, a rational answer to that question. It's, it's impossible. Okay. Oh, I, I went over time. Because I'm, 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 I'm talking about the most important thing in the world. <laughs> nothing. So I'm talking about nothing. <laughs> That's why you didn't understand what I said. <laughs> so I hope you leave with nothing. Yes, yeah, so we dedicate. Uh, the silence of our meeting, a beautiful familiar silence you know, to all to all beings. You're connecting in that silence with all beings. And yeah, so you can feel how in that silence there, I mean, you wouldn't wish harm. Yeah. In, in silence, you only you only love, and uh, goodness arises uh, spontaneously. Benefit arises uh, from silence without any effort. In, in silence, you're not going to kill a pig. And you're also not going to participate in killing pigs. It's obvious. I mean, there's no, 
and it's not being good or it's not being a vegetarian or something like that. It's just the most natural thing to do.